0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. As promised last night, we will review and do a post-mortem on the African Cup of Nations 2024 played in the Ivory Coast with our footballing correspondent, Kevin Evans. Kevin, evening. How are you this evening? And thank you for joining us.
1: Good evening, Thanks very much for the invitation once again. Uh, I'm fantastic, thank you. I um, enjoyed the African Cup of Nations finals, and um, yeah, I hope you and uh, the people at home did it as well.
0: Absolutely, and, and it's been, I guess, most probably already so early in 2024, I could be contender for the sporting comeback of the year, the way that the uh, Ivorians, who didn't get through really, or thought they didn't get through the first round of matches in the round round, fired their coach and their champions it's remarkable isn't
1: it? It is quite extraordinary remarkable, unbelievable um and yeah credit to them and credit to the the country and the support they 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 have and not only coming back from that situation but coming back um against Nigeria as well in the final and beating them. And gaining revenge from the loss that they picked up in, in the same group that they shared at the start of the tournament. It's, yeah, it's an incredible story, and it's got to be, as you say, really, we only, you know, mid through February, and it's a, it's a massive contender.
0: What was, let's just talk about the final, because obviously it's still so fresh in our minds. Um, how many, and, I, and this is not really a question, this is a statement, of these Cup of Nations final end in, in dour, goalless draws, go to penalty shootouts, and you kind of like think to yourself, every time there's a Cup of Nations final, ah, it's just gonna be that the night before we lost. There's absolutely nothing like that all the way, and a two-one victory in the end for the Evorians in normal time.
1: Yeah, normal time. I mean, it's uh, quite incredible, as you say. You know, we we haven't had these sort of situations in in the ages. And uh yeah, it's it's fabulous to 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 see that. I mean, we did have Algeria beating Senegal in 2019, and uh, before that, Gabon, uh, in Gabon, Cameroon, and Egypt. But uh, yeah, there's been in the last maybe six. Half of them have been, you know, won on penalties. And um, this one, extraordinary, as I say, extraordinary from the group stages, where the Ivory Coast snuck in by the skin of their teeth as the final of the of the third-ranked teams behind Guinea and Namibia and, and Mauritania. Uh, and one would have thought, well, they're gone. You know, Ghana went, Zambia went out of that third place uh, setup. And then, you know, to win the tournament is extraordinary.
0: Yeah, especially in front of the home crowd, which uh, is vociferous even when they're not playing well, uh, which was quite amazing last yeah. night. Yeah, 116 goals. But it was obviously the South African game, he did it a gold store And then two or three goals. So 119 goals in total in the tournament when you consider that uh, 10 goals in the past, 10 finals, Sunday night's game, six of those came in just two of those matches. Is African football on the rise? Or have we just kind of like had the wool pulled over our eyes by virtue of the fact that you've already mentioned a few of the sides that went out earlier. You didn't mention Egypt. They also, of course, didn't make it through to the last eights, which is quite surprising for a country like them. Yeah. And then if you look at the teams that went out, you kind of wonder to yourself, well, are those players that they bring from Europe really worth bringing from Europe? Because they don't really perform, do they? I mean, I know like, sitting in the stands, it was great to see uh, Didier Drogba, who of course played for the Ivorians in a final so long ago. Being there, and we saw Neil Tovey and Lucas Hadebe sitting there for the South Africans. Do the big-name players that are earning the hundred and two hundred and three hundred thousand pounds have been taken seriously enough,
1: do you think? Yeah, one wonders because, um yeah, is it the fear of injury? Is it the protection of their, you know, major source of income? You know, these are all considerations that have to be made. And is it like in the case of South Africa, where you have um, out of uh, the entire tournament, the side with the most locally-based players and showing that – um that it can't be done on that basis.
0: Is it just um, a problem in African football? Is it stubbornness that we're in the situation whereby it's not played in the European off season? If you like, I mean, God, they can just work it out. You know, get it right when there's the Euros. Play African Cup of Nations. Obviously, you can't play at the same time as it works out. But just you know work it out, get it sorted out so that we can have all the best players
1: here playing their best football. And playing the best football, as you say. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And and it's been a debate that's been around for a long time. We don't hear any utterances from the, uh, you know, the president of the Confederation of African Football into, you know, moving it into a June-July sort of situation, which is where most of the world's, you know, sporting arrangements make. I mean, the Olympic Games gets played at that time. You know, a lot of the the big sporting events get played in in June and July, you know, FIFA World Cup finals, Euros. And, um, you know, are we trying to set ourselves apart to a degree we aren't getting the best in the world? I mean, as you say, I mean, there's players earning extraordinary sums of money, you know, weekly in the English Premier League and other leagues around Europe um, that we could see at the utmost absolute best if it wasn't played in the middle of a, you know, in the middle
0: of a season. I mean, I just think talking, I was just thinking to myself, so for seven billion dollars the first prize for the Ivorians, I guess that's what Mohamed Salah himself earns in a season, if not more than that. Uh, why, why would you bother? I mean, seriously, when your career is on the line if you get kicked in the shin or whatever. What I will say though is having watched my first Club of nations in 1991, when I went to the Confederation of uh, the Confederation of African uh, Football Conference in Gakha, in Senegal, to help South Africa get uh, readmitted. Uh, Sticks, Morewa, and Malefi, Olifant. Quite an interesting trip that was all those years ago. And you know. One day I'll, I'll tell that story. But I do remember uh, looking at the field in Senegal at the time and thinking to myself, oh my goodness, no wonder people don't want to come and play on these cabbage, patch, potato-laden fields. But credit has got to go, I guess, from I guess from when South Africa first hosted the to the magnificent stadium and unbelievable playing surfaces we saw in the Ivory Coast.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always um, some element of uh, hypothesis and speculation and uh, debate about whether stadiums will be really number one and what sort of ca- the character of the pitches are going to be like. Yeah, I didn't see a bad pitch. Um, I thought the stadiums were great. I thought the attendances could have been a little bit better. But I think all in all... Um, yeah, if I was the the tournament organizer, I'd uh, be patting myself on the back.
0: Well, I think irrespective of what happened, the, the, the audience will pat themselves on the back. But <laughs> won, even if they didn't win, they would have still patted themselves on the back. Having known a couple of West Africans, particularly Ivorians, that I've dealt with over the years gone by. So, Kevin, let's look at the lowlights firstly of the tournament.
1: Right, uh, the lowlights. Yes, uh, we've chatted about the Ghana situation. And um, how disappointing they were. And it goes back to the World Cup in 2022 when they finished at the bottom of Group 8. They did qualify for the World Cup finals, but yeah, they didn't uh, make it happen on that occasion. And then I suppose one has to also take a peep at um, what happened with the North African sides as far as the potential of contributing further than the round of 16 in the African Cup nations finals, but um, having said that, you know, in the past, if you look at the Heat Cup seven times and Algeria twice, the rest have only won it, you know, on one
0: occasion. And then we look at somebody, a team like Senegal, who looked absolutely unstoppable in the early part of the tournament, played 3 3 and were nowhere to be found towards the end of the tournament, along with Cameroon. Yeah, that
1: is, that is quite incredible too. Um, both, uh, coming out of the same group. And as you say, I mean, you know, Senegal went, three and oh, only conceded the, the one goal in the, uh, whole, um, tournament at the group stage. And that was against the Cameroon. But, um, yeah, once, once it came into the group stages, one expected a lot more from him. They got beaten on penalties by Ivory Coast and, uh, suddenly that tournament's over. Cameroon get beaten two nil by Nigeria. And, um, you know, their tournament goes out of the window. And, uh, you know, those are both sides that qualified for the World Cup finals. Ghana also qualifying. And the only two teams, um, you know, that had made it through to anything in the, the FIFA World Cup finals in Qatar were Senegal and Morocco. Morocco finished in fourth place there. So what's happening in Morocco football? They made the round of 16 and then nothing. Yeah. You know, finish at the top of their group unbeaten. Just one draw and three wins, convincing wins. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating.
0: If I said to you at the beginning of the tournament, Equatorial Guinea would win Group A, Cup Verde would win Group B, Senegal would win Group C, you would have agreed with me completely, um, and Gola top of Group D, Mali above South Africa in Group E, and then I guess Morocco in Group F you would have agreed with completely. But remarkable mm-hmm. results in, in the round-robin stages, which set the tournament up, In the round of of 16 and then into the quarterfinals as
1: well. Team standout, and it was really phenomenal. Not taking away uh, Peter Shalalili from MLD Sundowns, but uh, I really didn't anticipate Namibia getting to a uh, round of 16 clash. Yes, they, they, they failed there rather dismally. But Cape Verde, I thought Cape Verde were magnificent. Mauritania getting through. I mean, Mauritania, um, I, I can't imagine they've done much in the international, um, you know, career. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, Equatorial Guinea, and Guinea. I know the Equatorial Guinea women have done well in the past. Yeah, it's great great to see the spread of success around the African continent, you know, getting bigger and bigger and more vast, you know. Uh, one hopes at some stage to see that those successes um, drift over onto the East Coast at some stage.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you talk about it. Equatorial Guinea, I mean, Emilio and Suze claimed the Golden boots, five goals ignited the tournament and some moments of brilliance by him and his team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you look at the results from, from Equatorial Guinea and, uh, you know, you, you you have to be impressed with what's happening in that country. And it's brilliant to see how things are developing there. I mean, top of Group A. I mean, that, that's, that's got to be something for the record books, along with the leading goal scorer. Top of Group A, above Nigeria and the Ivory Coast, who turned out to be finalists eventually. That's absolutely remarkable achievement.
0: Okay, so we're both based in, in South Africa. We do have a slight bias towards the national team in South Africa, although I will admit that my bias sometimes kind of is overshadowed really shadowed by the poor performances and my criticism oh. of the team. I can't criticize them. This time round, I think, for a team of pretty much locals, they've boxed way above their weight.
1: Yeah, I must say that um, the, <laughs> the one thing that I've always found quite amusing is the turn of face for um, my most favorite of human beings, and those are the keyboard warriors, yeah. um, that... Bash away, you know, at at will without any censure because there's no uh, broadcast complaints commission on social media platforms. Although, you're know, very likely I suppose. But yeah, uh, these guys, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan. Anyway, um, and the turnaround in favour of Hugo Bruce. And when have you ever seen in your whole life that a side that that finishes in third place as a celebration as South Africa did and hoisting, you know, the old man into the air? You know, it, it was almost like they'd won the tournament and um you know the 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 absolute detractors could say, "Yeah, but it's third place, and only you know one on penalties, and you know here we are celebrating mediocrity again, but uh, I don't think so, I don't think so by any stretch of the imagination I don't think we were favoured to get out of the group, although you know we should have had the beating of Namibia Mali, et cetera, And to, with of being in the group and having made the World Cup Finals just uh, 18 months ago. Uh, one would have thought that they would have done a little bit better. But massive kudos. Massive kudos to Hugo Bruce and to Holman and to um, South Africa. The Fair Play Award, bronze medals, the goalkeeper of the tournament. And don't forget that in the inaugural African Football League, Ronald Williams was also the goalkeeper of that tournament. So he's, uh, yeah, I'm sure his paycheck will be looked at somewhat at Sundowns.
0: Yeah, no, he was absolutely magnificent, as were South Africa. I think we've got to give mm. him, as you have already given them credit where credit is due. Now, the big thing is, can they carry it forward? Because Cup of Nations is one thing. I think the whole of South Africa, with uh, uh, the strength of the other sports like rugby and cricket in particular, qualifying regularly for World Cups, the rugby team winning the World Cup now four times, it's about time we qualified for a World Cup. Uh, you think they're going to keep Hugo
1: Bruce on? He certainly wants to stay, and, and uh, I reckon he's made a, a point of um, staying on. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that all pans out. But um, yeah, whether they keep him or not, if, 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 they, if they don't keep him, I think it would be almost back to the drawing board and dissolving what we've already achieved up to now. Um, and if they do keep him, I'm, 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 there was an uttering, utterance somewhere by the Belgian about, uh, you know, not qualifying for the World Cup. Um, they do lie at the moment, there's only been two rounds played in quali- qualification for the World Cup finals. And they, um, South Africa in Group C, they on three points after two matches. You know, and they, but they're in a group again with Nigeria. <laughs> so that's going to be pretty fascinating
0: yeah and of course let's remind our listeners that it's not one two that goes through it's top of the groups in the World Cup that go through and then the rest play it out
1: yeah so the top of the groups go through and then they get put into the second round bracket where there's um, a playoff and then you know, there's five groups then and only the head of those groups go through to the World Cup final so yeah it's it's a pretty big ask but um yeah, you know, it's it's gonna be fascinating. You know, I I think, you know, Rwanda top of the group at the moment, but um, you know, if you look at Rwanda, South Africa, Nigeria, Lesotho, Zimbabwe and Benin, um, yeah, one, one has to think it's against South Africa and Nigeria. Uh, it will buy for the the top of that one. I would I would love to see South Africa in a World Cup again.
0: Absolutely, as we would all do on that note. We thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us this evening. On from the boardroom to the locker room, that's the African Cup of Nations done and dusted. Focus will continue on the Premier League both in South Africa and in England, where it seems as though all the best players in the world, particularly Africans, are playing well. Maybe you might disagree with that. There might be a few in other parts of Europe as well. Thanks, Kevin. That's tonight's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Be nice to each other. till next time, bye for now.